Welcome to the CND podcast. I'm Grace Lewis, Deputy and News Editor for Chemist and Druggist. For this podcast, I spoke to Tony Evans, Director and Head of Pharmacy at Property Brokers Christie & Co, and Carl Cleasy, Director with Responsibility for Pharmacy Agency Services in the North of England and Scotland. Christie & Co published its latest annual pharmacy market review on the 24th of June. In it, it considers the impact the pandemic has had on pharmacy business activity, analyzes key trading data to understand pharmacy performance throughout the pandemic, and shares insights for the remainder of 2021. I began by asking Tony for a general overview as to how community pharmacies fared during the pandemic. The pharmacy market over the course of the pandemic has performed reasonably well, allowing for all the challenges that we've all put against us in terms of the lockdown measures, the success of lockdown measures, social distancing measures, etc. Pharmacy at the outset of the pandemic saw a massive uptick in activity and that no doubt challenged operators both from you know, trying to adapt to the lockdown measures and social distancing but also the additional pressure it put on their businesses, cost pressures etc in you know, sourcing PPE protection you know, adapting their pharmacies for social distancing measures, etc. But generally, from a pharmacy market perspective, that the market performed well, continued to perform well, even with the restrictions that were in place. And over the course of the year, from Christian Co's point of view, we completed on 94 pharmacy sales, which certainly showed that the appetite was still there for the pharmacy market. That has continued in 2021. Obviously, we we faced the third lockdown at the beginning of 2021, but that hasn't dampened appetite across the sector. And to date, over the course of the year, we've already completed on over 60 sales throughout the year. Very positive from our point of view. Incredible numbers. Were there any standout sales, acquisitions and or mergers that spring to mind that had a, a notable impact on the pharmacy market? If you look over the course of the pandemic, 2020 and 21, 2020 was very much a year of sales to first-time buyers, existing independents, etc. Whereas I think what we've seen in 2021, we started the year off with a, a few notable corporate sales. We've seen the likes of Avicenna, via Dudley Taylor Pharmacy Group, and then shortly thereafter purchasing uh, Shepherd's Pharmacy Group in South Wales taking them to circa 135, 137 farms in total. Alongside that, you saw PCT Healthcare merge with C.G. Murray and Sons in the West Midlands. Again, you know, buoying the numbers in that group as well. And then I suppose from a corporate perspective, we've seen Well make acquisitions for the first time in some time with its acquisition of Pharmacy Limited over in Norfolk and then one or two other sales more recently in South Wales. So yeah, we are seeing appetite from the, the, the multiples and corporates. From a corporate perspective, generally, there's still been a churn of pharmacy opportunities as they look at their existing estates. And you know, obviously, we, we've acted for Boots with regards to Project Echo. And more recently, we understand that Lloyd's has been looking to exit some further pharmacies as well. So we think that will continue over the course of the year and there will be further churn as the year goes on. And Carl, how about the Northern border? The sales that we were involved with during the pandemic and this year so far, it's, it's been mainly uh, some significant single sites and groups of two. And the largest deal, a group of two outside Glasgow, where the combined dispensing was over 20,000 items per month. 
So that, that was the largest deal we were involved with. But there, there were two significant group sales that were agreed off-market where we carried out the valuations for the purchasers. One was a group of four in East Ayrshire and the other was up north. There was a group of six in Murray, all around the town called Bucky. Both these groups were acquired by larger independent group operators. So yeah, that, that was the two main ones that we heard of during the pandemic. So these numbers and, and market activity, were there any notable differences in performance in each of the UK countries? If you look at activities being quite brisk across all the country regions, probably less so in Northern Ireland, but certainly you know, the volume of activity that we've undertaken has been across England, Scotland and Wales. Obviously, you know, there are notable differences in funding arrangements for the different country regions. And whilst you know, there's been plenty of activity south of the border, Scotland you know, continues to see significant activity. Carl, you want to add anything in relation to Scotland? Market, certainly in Scotland, it's, we've been very busy last year and this year so far. It's performing very well and prices have pretty much mirrored that back in 2019 before the pandemic. The sector up here does benefit from a, a good working relationship with the Scottish government. There's a stable funding agreement in place. They're one year into a three-year agreement and there's extra money going in for the new Pharmacy First scheme, which replaces the outgoing minor ailment scheme in Scotland. And there's also been additional money invested to help with COVID, such as a, a temporary delivery service and extra money to help with staff-related COVID costs. And that has attracted a lot of new buyers into the market. We have seen a spike in new buyers coming into the market, particularly first-time buyers. But you've also got all the existing operators, whether it be independents or groups, looking to acquire more pharmacies. So at times, certainly last year, we had deals in the central belt of Scotland. We were receiving nine to ten offers on one single site. And it's a mixture of all buyers, first-team buyers, as I say, independents and, and the groups, all bidding for this, this particular pharmacy. There is a continued lack of supply and a very strong demand. And it's been this case for quite some time now. And I would say about two years ago, prices have hit their peak and have remained at that level. And it's just, as I say, it's buoyed by that stable funding agreement and that lack of supply that's driving prices up. So the highest prices paid it tends to be in the central belt of Scotland, which you would, would expect most of the buyers are, are based around that area. Particularly Glasgow, that seems to be the most popular area in Scotland, and that's where we see the highest prices paid. Yeah, the number of offers that a single pharmacy or, or even a small group can attract can drive the price up with the level of interest there. However, north of Scotland, south of Scotland, we still see good demand. We recently just sold two in the Highlands where several offers were made. And the same, we've just agreed a deal down in Dumfries and Galloway, and again, several offers were made on that site as well. There's good demand right across the whole of the country. The other point to probably add in relation to pharmacy supply to the market, obviously the pandemic and the, the lockdown measures, the different regional tier restrictions, etc., and also the sheer effort that pharmacy contractors have had to put into to, to dealing with the challenges that presents. We have seen, and I think you, you'll find that most agents have seen, a, you know, probably a reduction in the number of pharmacies that actually came to market over the pandemic period. Now, as the lockdown restrictions uh, progressively ease, we are seeing more opportunities. We're out there meeting with clients and you know, there will be further businesses which come to market. So I think you know, over, the, over the course of the year, where stock has been more restricted, you know, the appetite has you know, continued to be strong. And that has been buoyed by 
the pharmacy's response to the pandemic. We have to remember that pharmacy, from the very start of this, was the only primary care service that kept its doors firmly open. And I think that has been recognised by the general public, but also by operators and new interested parties looking to invest in the sector for the first time. So as a result of that, where we've seen increased appetite for pharmacy opportunities, the combination of that and the lessened supply to the market over the past 18 months, that has contributed to where pharmacies do come to market. They are seeing more competitive interest being seen, and we are seeing an increase in the volume of offers that are received against each pharmacy that we take to market. Really interesting observations there. Um, Has there been a notable difference in performance between independents and multiples and their reactions to the pandemic? If you look at the independent sector, the the one thing independents do well is they adapt to the challenges that are put in front of them. And I think you've only got to go to March 2020 when the the lockdown was announced, the massive uptick in dispensing activity, the restrictions on other retail businesses, saw people coming to pharmacy for for other products than they probably wouldn't have necessarily gone to pharmacy for in the first instance. So pharmacy really rose to the challenge. And as I say, with them keeping their doors open, they really did adapt quickly. You, you saw a lot of clients you know, get screening put in their pharmacies, changing the layouts of their pharmacies to adapt to social distancing measures. But also, I think, you know, at the same time, you saw the corporates who, you know, they have strong business models, but they find it more difficult to adapt and to flex to local challenges, local issues. You know, independent pharmacies, they live and breathe their local area and therefore are able to to deal with the, the challenges that brings. But some corporates restricted their delivery models, others restricted their volume of MDS activity they would undertake. And you know, basically the, 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 the benefactors of that, or the beneficiaries of that, became independent pharmacy. We know plenty of clients who've seen an uptick in activity alongside their corporate competitors where restrictions on their dispensing model in the corporate model were taken advantage of by the local independents. Interesting, one of the other things we saw early on in the pandemic, and we'll all be aware of this, that you know, going to a supermarket was a real challenge and you just had to join the snake in the car park to be able to access the supermarket. Now, if the pharmacy is located within the supermarket and the only way to get to that pharmacy is by joining the, the queue of people, we saw a lot of independent operators with pharmacies close to supermarket pharmacies, you know, see an uptick in activity as a result of that because patients just voted with their feet and looked for convenience. And it's far more convenient to go to a, a community pharmacy where you're not having to queue around the block, basically. So I think they've adapted really well to the challenges. And yeah, we, we've seen obviously progressive lockdowns. The first lockdown was the most challenging. I think when we got to the second lockdown, you know, it was a case that most had got social distance measures in place. They were used to how they were now looking to dispense and had adapted their models. And then it's just continued. So when we then had the tier restrictions, the same thing applied. And then when we had the third lockdown, the same as applied. So I think pharmacy, you know, from a contractor's point of view, is back to kind of business as normal, as normal as it can be with social distancing measures. You mentioned patients voting with their feet. How has the pandemic affected pharmacy footfall and the services and how have pharmacies responded? From a services point of view, I mean, I think every pharmacy has been challenged by the additional services they actually offer. So the main focus has been on dispensing. Again, if you, if you look at dispensing over the different pharmacy types, 
with the first lockdown, you saw GP surgeries in the main close their doors and opt for telephone triage services. And therefore, where you had pharmacies which were located, co-located with GPs, you know, there was very little reason to be going to a health centre pharmacy. So what we saw is you know, a reduction in, in volumes at the outset of the, the pandemic in health centre pharmacies because people would, again, look for convenience. If they've got a local pharmacy to them, you know, they, they could actually pick up their prescriptions from there. I think the other interesting thing, Grace, was that we've actually seen an inevitable rise in EPS activity. What the pandemic has done is pushed everybody to almost move over to that model. So I think the vast majority are getting on for 94% of prescriptions over the 11 months to February were actually delivered through EPS activity. Again, we've seen over recent years that health centre pharmacies tend to perform slightly worse than health centre adjacent or community pharmacies do from EPS uptake. And again, that, that has just been evident in the figures we've seen across the year with the pandemic. So community pharmacy and health centre adjacents seem to have seen a higher level of dispensing through EPS as opposed to health centres. And given this rise in the electronic prescriptions, how much of a threat to bricks and mortar pharmacies is the likes of Pharmacy to You and, and Amazon, who's, who's now trademarked uh, pharmacy in the UK, um, and Lloyd's Pharmacy Echo? I mean, it's a, a hot topic of conversation at the moment. You, you see it's, it's been played out in the media a few times over the course of this year already. And I think it, it is interesting if you look at the, the, the fact that you've seen you know, quite a significant rise in activity by the main online pharmacy operators. Over the course of the pandemic, you've seen effectively a twofold increase in the number of items that have been dispensed by those principal online platforms. So pharmacy to you, as you say, Lloyd's Echo, et cetera. I think that is something that is set to continue. I think the other point to make on that is although it is a threat, at the moment it accounts for just under 3% of or those principal pharmacy platforms only account for 3% of the overall dispensing activity that we're seeing. So it is a challenge. You know, people are very much looking at where Amazon go with this. Pharmacy to you, you know, saw significant growth, virtually doubled their dispensing activity over the course of the pandemic. Lloyd's Echo saw a five-fold increase. But in part, that was driven by them trying to push patients towards the echo model. So I think, you know, that was slightly disproportionate to what we've seen with others. But generally, there has been an uptick in that that activity. Again, patients have seen that if they're on repeat meds, etc. They've seen that as a a convenient way of seeing their medicines delivered. The challenge is what bricks and mortar pharmacies do to meet that head on. Everything that an online pharmacy platform offers is already offered by a bricks and mortar pharmacy. What online platforms have done is they've embraced the automation and technology probably more quickly than the independent sector has. But that is there for the independent sector to deliver, basically. And alongside just getting your repeat meds and having your medicines delivered, you know, those bricks and mortar pharmacies offer so much more. So there's been a phrase that's going around the market at the moment, you know, bricks and mortar pharmacies do need to to morph into bricks and clicks pharmacies. And I think that's you know, really apt in the way things go forward. We're seeing a lot of operators look at the different technologies that are out there, whether it's by looking at delivery apps. They're keeping their patients more informed of the progress of their prescription. By doing that, those patients become 
more sticky to them in in terms of you know that they have that loyalty to them they've got that service being offered and then the thing that we're seeing quite a lot of there's, there's a rollout of these automated prescription delivery systems there's been quite a few clients you know carl's seen up in scotland take on on these effectively cash point delivery machines on on the front of their pharmacy and i think that's really well over the course of the pandemic because the issue we've all had is the social distancing measures having to queue uh, these automated prescription delivery systems allow patients to pick up their prescriptions at a time convenient to them. So they don't have to queue to go into a pharmacy. They can turn up at 10 o'clock at night and you know, give their access code to the machine and their prescription is delivered. And you know, we've seen a real uptick in pharmacies looking at that kind of technology you know, to further enhance the service that they offer. So overall, if you, if you look at where bricks and mortar pharmacy sits, it sits really well. It's a challenge that they are going to have to meet head on, but it is absolutely something that you know talking to operators they feel they can actually do and those that do actually progress down that line i I think are very well well placed probably slightly jokey way of putting it but for my age group a lot of people take a lot of trust and confidence from the, the relationship they have with their pharmacy and they don't want necessarily just to be at the end of a phone they like to call into their pharmacy they like to see the same pharmacist dispensing their medicines, etc., having a conversation with them, offering them services. And if they can continue to do that alongside providing additional technology into their pharmacy service, they should be winners from that point of view. I guess it also comes back to what we were talking about, the different funding settlements and, and approaches in different UK countries, because I know the Scottish government and now the Welsh government are sort of pumping money into the sector to improve those sort of automation and am I right Carl in thinking that a lot of the Scottish prescription robots and things like that have been funded or part funded by government funds is that right? I think there has been you know funds made available and, and certainly different governments have approached this area in different ways and so you know we, we are aware that and you know there have been you know probably a I wouldn't say a disproportionate amount, but there's been a, certainly an increase in, in installations in Wales and Scotland over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, part of that is down to, to where the funding is coming from, but I think it's also partly down to those operators thinking, actually, yeah, we, we need to do something different. And these kind of automated dispensing systems offer them that opportunity to engage with their patients in a way which you know takes them forward, future proofs that relationship. I think, you know, we've all had to over the course of the pandemic become more tech savvy. We've all shopped online over these lockdowns, so we're all used to the Amazon Prime and various delivery companies knocking on the door, leaving parcels on our doorstep. I think that has forced people to look at shopping differently. So that is something that pharmacy, as with many other sectors, will have to look at and how they engage more effectively with with their patient groups. How do you think pharmacy's performance during the pandemic has reflected on the sector? And uh, has it changed people's minds on the value and opportunity within the pharmacy market? It's been well played out in the press, both in the trade media and wider media. Pharmacy's response to the pandemic has been fantastic. And I think everybody recognises that. we, We said earlier that, you know, pharmacy, you know, has been that, primary care service that has kept its doors open throughout this pandemic 
opened additional hours, bank holidays, etc. You know, adapted their delivery models to support those people that are either vulnerable or shielding, and, and that has been recognised. And I think there's been, you know, certainly over the course of the year, you know, the the, the profile of pharmacy through all, all the different associations, MPA, AIM, PSNC, etc. The profile of pharmacy at a, a level that certainly I think it's the highest we've seen it since we've been in the sector. You know, that's not lost on the general public. It's certainly not lost on people looking to invest in the sector. And they see a real opportunity on the back of it. You know, pharmacy at the moment is massively engaged in the vaccination rollout, the, the programme of vaccinations. And, you know, that's set to continue. They're suggesting that we're all going to have to live with this virus for years to come. And therefore, the suggestion of, you know, booster programmes, you know, is it going to be similar to a flu vaccination programme each year, etc.? And pharmacy has to be well-placed to deliver that. There's a resource on the high street, in the community parade, in a health centre, where you've got qualified pharmacists who are able to give people the jobs they need. And I think a lot of people coming into the sector at the moment are looking at that and recognise the future that pharmacy has to play. So I think not just from the pandemic point of view, but I just think the value that pharmacy has provided over the course of the 18 months, people have recognised that. And hopefully pharmacy can really leverage that position in strengthening its general funding position, etc. going forward. Just to add what Tony said, when I I speak to buyers and owners up in Scotland, the the general view is community pharmacy will play a a more important role in in primary care going forward. The view is most pharmacies will adapt their services to make it more convenient for patients to order and receive prescriptions and obviously seek advice from their pharmacists. It is worthwhile adding here that there is a joint Scottish Government and Community Pharmacy Scotland strategy to increase the number of independent prescribers in Scotland, which can only help community pharmacy play a bigger role in primary care going forward. Have you seen a difference in the in the kind of people that are attracted to the, to the pharmacy market and the, the, the types of interested buyers, for example? For, from our point of view, we see a variety of people looking in the sector and that element of the different types of buyers hasn't really changed significantly over a number of years. If you look at our national applicant database that we have, it's fairly stubborn. It, it remains fairly consistent that we have around 80% of buyers tend to be first-time buyers, you know, looking to enter the sector the first time. Probably further 10% beyond that are existing independent contractors. The remaining you know, 10% are made up of the multiple operators and corporates. But in that first-time buyer and new entrance into the market, what we are seeing is we've seen an increased appetite from private equity. There have been obviously some acquisitions already this year which have been supported by financial players, so family investment trusts, private equity, etc. And there is certainly appetite out there. We're engaged quite regularly with private equity talking about the market. So I think they are eyeing up the market and will continue to do so. But if there are other people who have been looking to come into the market as well. They've seen what pharmacy has done and they're looking at ways in, in actually trying to invest in the sector. One of, one of the interesting things from our point of view is that if you look at this weight of first-time buyers, 80%, as I say, of our applicant registrations are first-time buyers, that hasn't necessarily translated into sales. So when you look at the, the sales that we've done over the last probably 15, 16 months, probably 140 completions, only probably 30 to 35% of those have actually been to first-time buyers. And part of that is because we've seen more people coming back into the market. If you go back to 
the beginning of 2019, people were still reeling from the successive Category M clawbacks, you know, on the back of the funding cuts. And there were various challenges around supply, pricing, and they were all impacting margins that the, the sector was seeing. And you then add to that that we were still at that stage looking at what the five-year deal was going to look like for pharmacy. So I think quite a few operators and certainly a number of the small and medium-sized multiples decided to step back from the market and just see you know, what, what was going to happen with funding, with the, the marketplace uh, activity, etc. But I think over the course of the pandemic period, we, we've seen a lot of those operators, they've seen what's happened to pharmacy. They're still incredibly challenged from a cost point of view, but they also see that pharmacy has an opportunity to, to deliver. And so we've seen a lot more of those coming back into the market. So where we're taking pharmacies to market at the moment, you know, quite a lot of interest is being shown and where we're getting interest from an existing independent or a, a multiple operator, many vendors are choosing, if you like, the safe option to go with that experienced buyer in delivering a sale of their pharmacy. So Whilst there is a real pent-up demand from first-time buyers, it hasn't necessarily translated through to the same percentage in terms of deal activity. Uh, But it still accounts for a healthy number of sales that we've undertaken over the last year, 18 months. That was Tony Evans, Director and Head of Pharmacy at Property Brokers Christie & Co. And his colleague, Carl Cleasy, Director with Responsibility for Pharmacy Agency Services in the North of England and Scotland. In this podcast, we discussed how community pharmacy fared during the pandemic, off the back of Christie & Co's latest pharmacy market review. We also considered the notable difference in performance between different UK countries, as well as the rising opportunity for the traditional bricks and mortar pharmacy to adopt a bricks and clicks business format for the future. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can follow CND's other podcasts by searching Chemist and Druggist on your preferred app or on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.